Lucas, would you would you personally say that the Arthur theme is like? And I'm I'm, talk, I'm talking objectively here. You know, it's. Would you say yes. that the Arthur theme is like one of the best the television has ever done? The Arthur opening sequence, oh. the theme music. Here, uh, at, at the risk of sounding controversial, I'll hedge uh, this statement a little bit. I would go as far as to say that the Arthur theme is the best reggae television theme ever. Now, I know it's a tough class, Will. Of course, we have the Cops theme song. Oh, yeah. And that's that's pretty much it. But <laughs> I would say that the Arthur theme song is a little bit of a, a rung above. And it's certainly more appropriate than the Cops theme song. Yeah, that's true. I would have, I mean, after, you know, recently, I would have thought you would put the Sopranos theme up there, too. Oh, well, that's not really a reggae song, but I see what you mean, like, all-time themes, like the Sopranos theme is is such oh, a Oh, sorry, r- and, r- and r- that- reggae themes, right. Right, but the Sopranos theme is actually incongruent a little bit as well. Like, if you listen to the full version of the Sopranos theme song, like, I don't even know what genre that song is, because it's, like, half techno- but, like, half adult contemporary, it's kind of hard to pin down. Yeah, a little, it's a little bluesy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a blues techno song. It's weird. <laughs> um, but it, it hits, though. It's well, good. according to Rolling Stone on their recent uh, uh, 100 Greatest TV Theme Songs of All Time, um, they don't agree. They disagree because Arthur was wow. not featured on there. And that's not just us, like, picking a fight with a magazine. Like, the official Arthur Twitter account, the official GBH Twitter account was also wow. like, wow, like, they, they noticed the snub, too. So, like, something not right there. Listen, it's been a long time since I've paid close attention or paid really any mind to Rolling Stone whatsoever. And it's like, you know what? You're going to make these lists. You're going to leave stuff off. A hundred's a big number, but there's been so many TV shows, like whatever. But like, man, I was waiting through that thing and I was just like, that's, that's, that ain't right. That ain't right. I'm looking at these, these top lists. Um, I feel like no way in hell. Like I was like, oh, at least they, like it's 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 classics. Often with these lists, you know, there's a lot of discourse about lists these days. The sight and sound list just came out. Oh, that's out. right, yeah. And one of the things that I always kind of peeves me is when you know things have recency bias over things that are canonized, yeah. right? So no. I was like, okay, this is a respectful list. The Jeffersons, you yep. know, classic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Brady Bunch, mm-hmm. you know, Sanford and Son. I don't know what that is, but it's from 1972 you know, to you, 77. You, you, so I trust. You don't it. know what Sanford and Son is. It's before my time, Will. It's about, okay. I would say, a good over 30 years before my time. Uh, now, number four, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm not to besmirch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I know people like that show. The fourth greatest TV theme song of all time? Mm. Above Mr. Rogers and the Twilight Zone? Yeah, and then and there's then there's this whole problem of, like, this, <laughs> this actually happened recently when uh, my wife and I got Shudder for October for Halloween, the... Uh, streaming service shutter and they had their like 100 scariest movie moments and i like that kind of stuff but i think the problem yeah. is in like trying to rank it definitively from 100 to 1 like just go 1 to 100 just give me 100 scary moments yeah. i don't care where they rank same thing with these tv themes like how are you <laughs> even going to even try to purport that you're doing this like objectively like it's just a fool's errand and you're se- you're yeah, setting yeah, yeah. yourself a- this is this is that you know what this is why you don't you don't quote tweet people that you uh 
on Twitter that you disagree with. You screenshot and you block. So this is the this is this is the equivalent of screenshotting and blocking. It's, we're not, you know, nobody's gonna pick up a Rolling Stone from listening to us. So just I just want to put it out there. Just like I disagree, but also it seems like what they want. So I hate playing into their in their hand like that. You make a really good point, though, Will. It's like I often watch those like top. Now they even make ones that are like top one thousand, but it's like top one hundred anime openings. Oh god! Um, and especially, and th- these are like four hour long videos. And a part of me is like, okay, first of all, there's no way this person watched all of these shows. <laughs> and second of all, like, are they really mulling over like, oh, you know what, this one's actually more of a one hundred eighty four <laughs> uh, above one hundred eighty five. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. th- I think it's totally it, okay. That, that, you you make a really good point that like the top. First of all, the top twenty is all people care about. And second of all, are they really, you know, diving into objectively is is 56 better than 55 or yeah. well, we can't put that at 55 because we placed this at 54. Like, there's no way, right? They're just throwing stuff at the board and see what six and make sure that they spend a little bit of extra time on the top 10. I think so. Um, it, I mean, it's good. It, like number lists are fun like i've just did a bunch bunch of my own personal top tens and there's just like you can but the point of it is to like share things you like with people and then have people share things they like with you and then you know of course that will breed disagreement or whatever but really yeah i like it to be a coming together but some people get lost in the sauce about like where it goes i think you also have a great point about this anyway I just wanted to bring that up because, of course, we are Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast, and I uh, just wanted to mention that because it was Arthur-related news in a relatively slow month of December as we begin the march toward Christmas. Uh, Will Young here with Lucas Mancini, and we want to say a big thank you, Lucas, because uh, now uh, this is the time of year when I get big-time FOMO because I don't have Spotify. So I see a lot of people, it's, you know, between this and the AI art thing, it's like, man, everybody's got these apps that can, like, tell them how they look and what what they feel and what they like. And I'm just like, I'm tired of figuring out what I like. You know, like t- I want a robot to tell well, me what I'm like. So what's, what's so funny about the <laughs> Spotify thing is like people posting being like, oh, my God, this is so me. And it's like, yeah, it's data. <laughs> like they, it's so you because it's like it's literally like they're just keeping track of what music you listen to. Like it's it's not this <laughs> relevatory thing. It's it's you could do the same if you wrote down every time you listen to a song. <laughs> um, But what we did get to do is I do have a like I have a Spotify account I just never use it and I'm not, not don't plan right. on paying for premium because I'm shackled to my iTunes library but we do get Spotify for podcasters and we got some pretty good news uh last week when that when that came out so we want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening to the podcast through Spotify um we created 1787 minutes of new content in the last uh, 12 months apparently we have you know we have listeners in North America and then we have list people listening in places like Finland, the United Kingdom, and Taiwan. So, uh, and thank you for listening wherever you are, and for putting us into apparently the top ten percent of most followed podcasts on Spotify. Like, just some really neat stats that kind of like brightened up my day recently. And I just wanted yes. to say thank you for everybody. Like, thank you wherever you listen to us, but especially for everyone who's followed us on Spotify. Big thank you. Really appreciate it. That was re- that was really nice to to read. And, you know, we knew that most people were coming from the States. It's why we always give that context yeah. of, 
um, uh, our, our kind of weird Canadian uh, local uh, uh, kind of folksy uh, weird Canadian stuff. But, you know, number three, the third biggest country that we were in is Finland. If you're listening in Finland right now, please write into the show. I'd love to hear from you. I want to know as much as I can about the Finnish broadcast of Arthur. You know, what TV station in Finland was Arthur on? What did Finnish Arthur sound like? Um, you know, did they have the same theme song? How did reggae play in Finland? Um, let me know. I want to hear about Finnish Finland Arthur. Me too. Please, please. And uh, as well as to the United Kingdom and Taiwan, email in. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We're actually uh, light on emails this week. So, uh, you know, while the uh, holidays are happening, feel free to send them our way. We probably won't get to them until next year. So make sure they can keep until then. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, just quickly, again, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And want to take the time to say thank you to our patrons. Patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. Who saw the, the, or rather they listened to, and they have the ability to listen to now, uh, episode 50, part two of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, where we talked about some fun Sesame Street segments. That was a really great time, and we really enjoyed doing it. And now the Patreon is going to be changing. Patrons have known about this change for about a month or so. And next week here on the pod, on the free feed, I'm going to be kind of rebroadcasting an announcement that we put on the Patreon about how the Patreon will be changing starting in January. It actually worked out really well with the timing and everything. So starting in January, the Patreon is going to look very different. You will find out more about that next week, or you can find out about it now uh, by going to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits and uh, supporting us. Uh, like cool people such as Derek Watson Jr., Melissa H., Maria Gisselquist, uh, Jared G, Josh and Dallow, Rory Forever, RPG Fiend, Ricardo A. Soto, uh, Alex K. As I go to the second page, I'm also going to put this into an Excel document so I don't have to keep talking over the page turn here. Casey Cosmos and Emmy the Ghost, Greenhouse Vinyls, Robert Morrison, Daniel Uptograph, Ursula Katz. We have Matt and we have Sierra S. We have uh, Macy Ball and Christine Wong. And Yoshi is in there as well, and Light Relentless. And I will also say thank you to first patron Leanne S. for sending us a lovely Christmas card through the mail. Now, that's not, you're certainly not required to do that if you're a listener, but uh, we really appreciate it. I'm looking at a couple of the pins we've gotten as gifts. We've gotten stickers as well. It's I, I, I wanted to just say thank you, especially to Leanne. I've already said thank you, but that was really nice of you to do. And we appreciate you, even if you're not a patron, even if you don't give us gifts. But if you do, you're definitely going to hear about it from us. <laughs> exactly. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And we continue on here. This is going to be our last ECL for 2022. And it starts off with Muffy's Classy Classics Club, which actually doesn't start with Muffy. Because, Lucas, apparently several viewers have expressed interest in learning what Muffy's Butler Bailey does in a typical day. You would hope from this, like, okay, let's learn about some internality about Bailey. Because from this point, up to this point, it's just seemed like Bailey is a little bit of, you know, he's, of course, a professional butler. His job is to kind of serve Muffy's every whim. But it's like, okay, does Bailey ever get some me time? No. (laughs) But Bailey is... uh, you know, has to answer to every one of Muffy's beck and calls, uh, no matter how 
apparently dangerous they are to his health. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, Bailey almost dies. He risks his life <laughs> uh, multiple times in this opening. But in his way, he puts a positive spin on it by saying, it's never dull, even though you're right. He almost literally did die in one of these cutaways where he's buried up to his neck in the sand and then the tide starts to come in and and, and Muffy has to go away. It's like creep show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like from this point, I know that this happens more in the Flash seasons, which we will be getting into very soon. Um, Bailey becomes more of a character. And of course, he's played by Bruce Dinsmore, who is the voice of mm-hmm. Arthur's dad and Binky. This is his third like major character in the show and this is going to this is going to be a thing from here. We of course Bailey has had a vocal role in several episodes already so far, but this feels like the official introduction of him as like a member of the cast. Yeah. He he in his previous role he was more of a Mr. Haney yes. type where whenever he showed up it was more so to, to deliver a punchline to kind of be deadpan uh in the face of Muffy's antics. But now we're going to hear more from Bailey and I welcome it. You know, more for Bruce Dillsmore to do. I feel like Arthur's dad has been kind of put on the back burner lately. Like we hear him uh uh pipe up in the second episode we're about to talk about and I'm like, "Oh yeah, Bruce Dillsmore, <laughs> Arthur's dad." Um Yes, it's, Binky is obviously number one, and Dad kind of number two. Although it, it maybe 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 Dad will go down to number three, depending on how often we see Bailey from this point. So it is a Muffy episode. This is all about Muffy deciding to start a book club because she has become enamored with the Pretty Pioneers uh, dolls. So first of all, this is an offshoot of the World Girls dolls. I'm pretty sure. Ah. from you know a season or two ago and the pretty pioneers themselves are are again arthur wiki thank you very much a parody of the little house on the prairie series um so they're kind of like 1800 was that 1800s or is that before i don't know uh little house on the prairie era like country bumpkin types (laughs) (laughs) you know it's folksy that's the word of the day well it's it's yeah, I, I, it, uh, it's colonial, I guess. Yeah, Little House. Yeah, yeah, actually, on the prairie. I, I gotta say, Will, I gotta be honest. I only know the Little House on the Prairie as kind of like a punchline. I'm not actually that familiar with the series. You were right, 1870s to the 1890s. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I don't know much about Little House on the Prairie either. It was very popular, I think, when I was very young. I and probably, probably oh. before that. I, I should say the television show was quite popular. I remember seeing the ending credits on quite a bit when I was uh, looking to watch whatever was on after it. What, what did you discover? Sorry, I, 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 I just googled what an aspect. Oh, was, okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I the whole I'm seeing the whole episode in a whole new light. Okay. Oh man. Okay, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get there actually relatively <laughs> soon. So yeah, the Pretty Pioneers. They are dolls that come with books, um, which. I think was kind of part of the World Girls thing as well. World Girls uh, take off on the American Girls dolls. Um, they're, the Pretty Pioneers are Abigail, Bernadette, Camille, and Matilda, who Bailey, he doesn't so much as say, but he intimates that like they're basically all the same. But they all have books that come with them. And the first book in the series, Muff, Muffy's crazy about these. The first book in the series is called Abigail and the Apple Aspic. So, of course... I had heard that word before, but I was just like, okay, aspic <laughs> sounds like one of those words like, um, like, like epoxy, like, you know, just like, you don't really hear that in casual conversation very much. So I looked it up, Lucas, you had, qu- you had quite an adverse reaction to what aspic is right now. It's fresh in your mind. 
What is it? If we're talking about Apple Aspic. What what is it? Yeah, so Aspic or meat jelly oh. is a savory gelatin made with a meat stock or broth set in a mold to encase other ingredients. So this whole episode, you know, because I, I figured that all these books, it like they all are kind of food based. It's about these like prairie girls putting together these concoctions. And I assumed that the apple aspic was a joke because <laughs> it's heavily featured in some of the dream sequences. You know, she's always got the apple aspic with her. But to me, it didn't look that so bad. I was like, oh, apple gelatin. It's like apple jello. Sure. Now that I know that it's it's meat jello, I'm looking at this picture. This picture on Wikipedia is is wretched. It looks absolutely disgusting. Uh, I know I'm always the guy that says we, we, we one of our favorite segments is Lucas. Would you yeah. eat it <laughs> on Elwood City Limits? Um, oh gosh, fish's aspect. Oh oh, <laughs> pork jelly. The, this Wikipedia article. Holy moly! No 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 no. Keep this away from me. So. Ooh. So yeah, it's it's, it's as I'm to understand it, it's not just meat. It's like it's a savory jelly, you know, as opposed to normal yeah. normal Jello, where it's like those are fruit flavors or what have you. This is like yeah, like you say, meat, fish, like other foods that God never intended those to be jelloed. You understand? It's a gelatinous version of conventional soup. Ew, bro. terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like just one of those. You, you ever you ever see those you ever see those videos? I remember there was this one guy when I was on TikTok that would make like recipes from the 1930s, and it was like, oh yeah, they were big into jelly, like he, from the 30s to the 50s. There's all those pictures from the 50s of jelly, jelly, yeah, foods. like Jello salad, awful, awful recipes that were made. Like Aspic seems like something that was made because like you had to, like it's the only way that meat that meat can keep over a long period yeah. of time or something. Nobody wants this, but you need it if you need to, if you want to actually survive. I don't know. According to this, there are three types of aspic. Okay. Uh, delicate, sliceable, and inedible. Uh, <laughs> inedible? Ain't that all of them? Oh! Why is there... So what do you do with the inedible one? If you're not supposed well, to eat know. it. Let's click... Let's click this citation. It brings me to a scholarly article called Aspic Textures and Facts. Oh, brother. Okay. Let's take a look at this. It's on the web archive. <laughs> Let's take a look here. What is this? This is from Gar. What the hell? Garden Guard Manager Gardaymanager dot com. How is this a scholarly resource? Wikipedia. <laughs> All caps. It says no bones. Many restaurants, country clubs, and host hotels do not have any bones delivered to their loading docks. In many cases, bones have never been used to create the foundation of their cuisine. Their stocks, soups, and sauces okay. have been delivered in envelopes and cans. Okay, I, I, envelopes? I think, I think we're getting off the point here. I was just confused. I, I can look this up in my own time. Why would you make a gelatin that's inedible, inedible and what do you use it for? Anyway, gross, very disgusting, and I'm glad that we agree on that. Um, so beyond the aspic, Abigail and the Apple aspic is the first book in the series, and... The part of the marketing of the Pretty Pioneers dolls is like to create your own Pretty Pioneers book club, which Muffy's never heard of a book club before. And she decides to start one with Arthur, Francine and Brain and also Bailey. Muffy gathers everybody together. She loves she loves the book and gathers everybody together. She even mails them their own copies like they don't even have to buy their own copies. And she's a little upset when 
The others disagree on the interpretation of the book. For example, Francine said it was laugh out loud funny, even though apparently the <laughs> the body of the story is quite tragic. And of course, Lucas, wouldn't you know it? Uh, Brain sent a letter to the writer uh, about the ina- the historical inaccuracies and grammatical errors, really, really tut tutting them. Yeah, we see him with his like highlighter, uh, making notes in the margins. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last person we see react to the book is actually Bailey, uh, who we see kind of groan, <laughs> yeah, does... it, almost in pain that he has to read this this drivel, this slop, much like the aspic itself. So what Muffy has wrong about the idea of a book club is that she thought it was going to be her dictating what everybody reads in perpetuity, but the others kind of pipe up and say that they. The you know the idea of a book club is for everybody to have their um to have their book be represented. So for example, the brain wants to pick a fiction novel called The Quark Knight, uh, which is uh we hear a little bit about story wise here and there about somebody who kind of goes in and out of like the space time continuum or something to that effect. But Muffy's very upset about this. In fact, <laughs> so she goes along with the Quark Knight. Like, she lets him do that, but she doesn't even bother to read Brain's book uh, in the end. She puts it off and then just doesn't even read it. And then at the next book club meeting, she has to kind of BS her way through, like, just like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that was uh, it was, it was great. <laughs> There's, there is a good line here. Uh, the night before the book club meeting, Muffy hasn't even cracked the book. And but Bailey apparently quite enjoys the Quark Knight, to which Muffy says, "You don't have to pretend to like it. It's just us here." She's convinced <laughs> that it's inferior. It doesn't even have to read it. Just completely based on the cover. She's really just made up her mind. Um, we do find out, like like I said, we talk a little bit about the elements of the Quark Knight, and one of the things that everybody kind of liked was the ending which is apparently where the main character, Ned, gets sucked into a hole in the space-time continuum, making it so the story itself never happened. That sounds bogus to me. That sounds like something I would be real (laughs) mad at. I was trying to think, I was looking on the Arthur Wiki to see if the Quark Knight was a parody of um, anything that already exists. It doesn't seem to be. The Arthur Wiki posits that it's a parody of the Dark Knight, which I, I doubt. I think it just says Knight in the title. Um, but I haven't read this book, so take this with a grain of salt. But the premise kind of sounds like, uh, you ever hear of the book Hyperion by Dan Simmons? No. Um, it's like about, uh, it's, it's like a, a science fiction retelling of the Canterbury Tales. Okay. And anyway, that book, uh, features a time hopping interdimensional monster, uh, that hops around, even though some of the characters are like fantasy characters. So it sounds Quirk Knight-esque, but I agree that the ending of the Quirk Knight sounds like quite the deus ex machina. It sounds like the kind of book where anything is possible, which is why, um, Muff, uh, uh, Francine and Arthur kind of quiz Muffy about it. They ask, you know, did she like the part with the, was it an electro dragon? Um, and when Muffy says yes, they've realized they had made up the electro dragon and that Muffy didn't read the book at Classic all. Classic gotcha right there. Um, I do have to admit this. A lot of, uh, especially recently, we've been a bit warmer on Muffy because I, be, and I think that's just due to the fact that they are more likely to use her as a character that has a bit more dimension to her. She's pretty annoying in this episode, in, in just in terms of like, ref- like until the very end, and she does learn her lesson, so it's not all that bad. But refusing to like interact with the matter of the book club 
explicitly on any means except in the way that kind of makes her feel good. Which I have to say, like, as as, as annoying as that is, I also I identify with that. I am, I have been at times, and still have the capacity to be, the same person who has a very, I'll just say has a very singular vision for presenting things to my friends and then, like, expecting them to love it. And then when they think differently, I'm, I'm like, get, I get kind of pissy about it. Like, I, I you know, it's, oh, it's, really? it's, not, it's not something that I'm proud of. It's not a becoming feature of my personality. But admittedly, it's like, and I'm not quite as dramatic as Muffy about it. But it's, you know, it is, it is, <laughs> this is a part of me sometimes. I'm trying to be better than that. But it rears its ugly head sometimes. Yeah, I, I feel like there's that in all of us, you know. I remember showing uh, some of my friends uh, 1977's House... Oh yeah, uh, which is an, an amazing movie by mm-hmm. all, like I would say you know one of the best movies ever. Quite made. an experience. And they were like, they were like, oh, the sound is so bad in this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, it's old, it's old in Japanese. Like you're not you're not acknowledging how foundational and groundbreaking it is. Yeah, I think that this is a good use of Muffy. Like I I think that you know she is being. A little bit annoying. Well, not a little bit. She's being uh, uh, quite annoying about this whole thing. Um, but the whole point of the episode is her arc in this. Um, and I think they they toe that line where it's more like a oh Muffy than uh, you know X Pac Heat get her off the screen. I also like there's a running joke throughout this episode um, before this this final meeting where we have this big confrontation about Muffy not reading the book that Muffy didn't even know her house had a book uh, a library in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then later on in the episode we actually find out that Mr. Crosswire didn't even know that there was a library in the house. Yeah, uh, and also that half the library is fake books. That's another gag. There's a lot of good get like gags of this episode but this little scene where they're confronting her i like really like this scene it's got a almost like uh, stage play quality to it and much like an episode of columbo or something okay. where you know columbo has caught someone in a lie all the characters are gathered here you know muffy's lie is exposed and then we get this big kind of conflicting argument where the character like muffy is so incensed she's like yelling at everybody she's saying i'm gonna start my own book club mm-hmm. she storms out uh and we don't really get scenes like this you know these big con- confrontational moments with kind of all the characters sitting there there's also a funny gag in this scene where every time they cut back to Arthur, he is just stuffing his face with potato chips. <laughs> I think I missed that, like, actually. Y- you get very little of Arthur. In- He's just kind of a log for the ride for this part. It's mostly between, uh, you know, the brain, uh, Francine, and Bailey. But every time they cut back to Arthur, he's just got another mouthful of chips from this, like, chip <laughs> bowl that I suppose Muffy, uh, Muffy supplied. But yeah, so everybody agrees to go their separate ways. They're gonna... Uh, what's Francine's book called? The Stallion? It's called book? The Sable Stallion, is the one that they are going to read it's it's apparently a favorite of her dad's right so they're all going to read the sable stallion muffy is going to continue uh uh with the prairie uh doll right books. and you mentioned that they have a gag about mr crosswire he says i still can't go over the fact that we have a library um there's there's a montage here of muffy calling other people we actually hear her talking to sue ellen again she's like 
very 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 rude of just like of just like like something to the effect of like 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 fine go go save the trees for all i care or whatever like oh it's even worse it's even worse this is my favorite line go of the ahead, episode. Go ahead. she goes well fine go volunteer at the hospital instead see if i care <laughs> so so ellen so ellen's not even saying that she's not interested in her book club she's merely saying that she's busy because she has to volunteer something, for for sick people at the hospital with something that's objectively a better use of her time um also, we get a, a Prudella uh, shaking her head, but no Rubella, of right. course. There's, we're never going to see her again. <laughs> well, the other th- the thing I wanted to note about that montage is she's calling a bunch of people, and they all kind of shake their head. Why are they shaking their head if it's a phone conversation? She can't hear them doing that. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just S- SMDH, Will. You know, <laughs> when, when Muffy comes to you and says, do you want to be in my book club with my butler and my dad, but I have to pick the book? You just find yourself SMDH it, you know? <laughs> Muffy is kind of giving up on the idea of her book club, whereas the rest, uh, Arthur, Brain, and Francine are continuing the book club on their own. She actually finds a copy of the Stable, the Sable Stallion in her library, uh, which, as you said, it has mostly all fake books. And she starts to read it and actually spends all night reading it uh, to the mm-hmm. point where she like falls asleep in her chair. Her copy was previously owned by her dad. We get the full name here, Eddie Edsel Crosswire, who is actually Edsel Crosswire. I was thinking about this recently. Uh, Edsel E. Crosswire is Muffy's grandfather. So Ed Crosswire is named after his father. They just reversed the names. Um, So Muffy has... This is also after, you know, she decides to actually read that book after her dad and Bailey both kind of confront her and be like, yeah, this book series is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, even her dad is like, listen, Pumpkin, I'll I'll do whatever you want. I'll keep reading these books, but they're not very good. (laughs) Yes, canonically, like, these books are quite terrible, and I wonder if that's, like, the writer of the episode getting a dig on Little House on the Prairie. I have no idea if those, like, books are worth anything at all, like, literally, Mm. literarily speaking, but that is pretty funny. Um... And Muffy, while she's asleep in the chair, she has a nightmare about encountering the pretty pioneers who are like these, like, instead of being doll size, they're like human size, but they're still dolls. And they kind of end up giving a bit of commentary. Again, maybe this could be on the Little House on the Prairie book series. I, I'm curious about that. Uh, one, Ooh, I had a different reading okay. on this. this. This, I thought, was very precious. One of them one of them said, like, uh, you know, they're offering her some aspic or whatever. It's just like, and one of them has the line, in fact, everything here is the same. That way, there are no surprises. You will be happy with us getting the same thing every time. And again, it's it's like the idea being that this um, poor quality book series will not challenge you in any way. Whereas the other books that the kids have been reading will broaden your horizons and so will like quality literature. Another way I read this is that because all the dolls look pretty much the same, just with small little interchangeable differences, uh, and and even the way the dolls are built, they got these big bobbleheads, but they all have the same face and hair, yeah. just with differences in the clothing. I was like, this is kind of like a Funko Pop nightmare Ooh, yeah. in a way, because it you know all of the 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 big problem with Funko Pops and the reason why, like for instance, a Ned Droid is a superior product <laughs> that accomplishes the same all thing, right. is because. You know, if you look at, like, for instance, the office Funko Pops, to use an example, and the ones that are supposed to be professional athletes, 
they look identical. Like all the Funko Pops at the end of the day just kind of look the right. same. They have the same dead eye stare. They have the same head shape. You know, maybe there's some that are really out there because they're blue or whatever because they're adapting a blue character. But that's the problem is that there's no differentiating between them because um, it's this exact same format applied over and over and over again. And so I, I was like, someone could make a, a remix of this scene or something where it's a bunch of Funko Pops attacking <laughs> Muffy and the message could remain exactly the same. But I, I loved this this dream sequence. You know, the desolate pr- and then her being approached by all these like kind of lifeless dolls i was like this is some classic arthur nightmare stuff yes very much so um it's not quite as upsetting as some arthur nightmares can be but still like it's yeah we get that in our next episode (laughs) um so muffy wakes up and she realizes she has a change of heart here she realizes that she's been crummy to her friends she goes to francine's place where they are talking about the sable stallion and it's, and again, Sable's another word for black, the black stallion. Ha ha ha. Um, Muffy has a line here where she comes in and she's, she, Francine answers the door and she says, before you say anything, I'm sorry I acted like such a, um, I, like, and I think the word she ends up using is something around the lines of like busy body or something, but she led with like, I'm sorry I acted like such a boo. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> thought she was going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, she apologizes and she actually hasn't finished the Sable Stallion yet, but she joins in on the conversation with everybody. And so does Bailey. And she seems to have better understood the the where the fun comes from in, in a book club. Yeah. So speaking of this, the next part of the episode also has a dream sequence. We're going to get into that in just a second. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You can go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr, it's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new... A bi-weekly PBS Kids review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Best Enemies is the name of this one. Um, Lucas, do you ever feel like you and your friends like totally different things? You know, Will, I was thinking about this, and sometimes, I mean, we have a lot in common, but one of the reasons why this show works is sometimes me and you like totally different things. Yes, very much so. In fact, in fact, I feel that's what, one of the things that's made this podcast, you know, 
as spicy as it can be is when we <laughs> disagree on something or just come at something from a completely different perspective. Well, on that note, I want to put it to the test because in this opening sequence, Arthur kind of lays out a series of things that him and his friends don't see eye to eye on. And so I, I want to hear your take on all these, Will. I want to see if we see eye to eye. For instance, what are your thoughts on climbing fences? Uh, I'm against just because I've never been able to do it. Uh, mm. I never did it young enough, and so I've never been able to do it. So uh, that's a thumbs down for me. See, we actually see eye to eye on this one. As a kid, I liked climbing fences, but as an adult, uh, it is a good way to screw up your clothes and get all dirty, and, and it's not thing I'm apt to do. All right, next. And get holes in your clothes, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, rip them. It's just not good. Next. Eating pickles, Will. Thoughts on eating pickles? I love pickles. Great. Good. Thumbs up. Okay, once again, we see eye to eye. <laughs> I am a big pickle fan. Yeah, me too. Uh, now, Will, we, we're going to learn something about you with Uh-oh. this next one. Oh, no. How do you feel about getting covered with mustard? <laughs> I'm not for it. I can't say it's ever happened to me. Well, I've gotten mustard on my clothes, and uh, one of my T-shirts is still stained from mustard. So, uh, thumbs down. Not a fan. Wow. Once again, we see eye to eye. You know, I would avoid getting covered with mustard as much as possible. That sounds really uncomfortable to me. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask about dipping a pickle into what I I think is supposed to be a milkshake, but it looked too thin. It looks like milk that Buster's doing here. I mean, it's it's oh not the God. most appealing sounding thing in the world to me, but I would try it once. It's, it's not as crazy uh, as the aspect. All right. Um. Now, final one, though. Final one. You thought we were going to swing past this. Yeah. How do you feel about when sandwiches talk during the TV show? I'm not crazy about it, to be honest with you. I don't need my sandwiches to be alive in any sense. I don't need to think about that. You know, wow. I think we might be uh, five for five on this, Will. I, too, would be pretty perturbed if my sandwich started talking during the TV show. Uh, I think I would immediately seek psychiatric help. And that's, that's you know, I, I would call um, what is real and what is not into question. It would probably send me on some sort of downward spiral. So this would be a negative, a net negative mm. for me as well. I would not be stoked to have my sandwich talking during the TV show. Interesting. So we actually agree on quite a bit, but we there are some. I think we just disagree in key places, not in not constantly. Um, unlike Arthur and Buster, who are who are very different people, but are close friends in this cold open, which leads us into the episode where Mom Reed is getting ready to welcome a new client, uh, the Merkel family. Herman and Ursa are their names, and they're coming by to visit and to have dinner apparently. And they bring their daughter, who DW is initially very excited to play with, named WD, other, <laughs> otherwise Wilhelmina Dagmar. So literally the opposite of DW yeah. is WD. And we find that out very, like, even just from looking at WD. Um, I actually wasn't sure at first. Uh, WD is a girl, but the way that she's dressed is very, like, very 90s cool kid of, like, the mm-hmm. baseball cap, the, like, kind of baggy clothes. Like, I'm surprised she didn't have a skateboard. A couple of things about this introduction of this family. Yeah. Um. First off, before we get to WD, I want to break down. I, I don't mess with Herman. Uh, Patreon subscribers, <laughs> if you heard my take about Elmo's dad on the last episode oh. of Sesame Street... 
Herman is giving off big Elmo's dad <laughs> energy, and as a result, I am not a fan. Second of all, uh, naming your child WD is doing the for some reason WD so does not. <laughs> roll off the tug the same way that no. DW does. Um, even though it's the same amount of syllables, it's just like WD. I don't know. It sounds too close to WMD. That's you true. Know, weapons of mass destruction. I, um, I think of WD-40. The uh... WD, See, again, not a good thing for your kid to be named after. Um, but it is funny that, yeah, this is a bizarro DW episode. So, um, yeah, as we as we see here, they kind of play together. DW suggests a kind of, you know, especially when you see it here, DW is fairly stereotypically girly, uh, you know, unicorns, cute things, fuzzy things. She suggests a board game that is, uh, you know, more like a, like a Candyland type of game, that type of like really cutesy, wootsy kind of thing. And WD is not going for it. DW, uh, WD, this is, woo. This uh, better be careful here. Uh, the WD likes race cars. Race cars is her big thing. Um, they eventually get in a disagreement that WD says that unicorns aren't real, to which DW is emphatic that they are and gets very upset about it. Uh, later, we also see that WD actually likes broccoli, whereas DW does not. And similarly to DW bring out a board game that WD doesn't like. WD busts out a pretty sweet Hot Wheels set here. <laughs> this thing is pretty friggin' cool. I was talking about this recently uh, with Jenna, my wife. Uh, if we just had unlimited money, I'd be one of those people that has, like, train sets on the top of bookshelves and, like, <laughs> like train sets at the, at the the near the ceiling. And then also, like, I'd have, a, I'd have, like, a Hot Wheels room. Like, I would just get... Uh, Hot Wheels are so cool. Like all those ramps and stuff, even though they never work like you want them to. I don't know. I just think Hot Wheels are cool. I too think Hot Wheels are cool, but for a different reason. Oh, yeah? I like the like, because uh, there is, I, I've stumbled upon like adult Hot Wheels collectors. Ooh. And it's the people who are like car people. So they're like, oh, oh yeah. they did a release of this specific like skyline. Like it's less, you know, as a kid, my favorite Hot Wheels were sort of the most unrealistic ones. You know, the ones that, that could never be a real life car with all the crazy exposed engines and like flames on the side and stuff like that. But as an adult, I just like seeing that's a real car, but tiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to note here that the rest of the family gets along quite well with their counterparts from the Merkel family. Um, at one point, uh, Ursa, the mother, brings up The Fishmonger's Student, a book that both her and uh, Arthur's right. mom liked. I just thought that this is actually title was the odd. loose. I, again, this is a throwback to the early seasons where there was always kind of a loose connection between the episodes. Uh, in this one, it's the fact that uh, she heard about this through her book club. Mm. So there's a running kind of book club theme. The other connection is that um, one of the prairie dolls, uh, DW actually holds up one of them. Uh, when oh, she's showing I off that. her toys to WD. Yeah. Hmm. So right away, DW and WD, they're, they're not adversarial with each other all that much. But they just don't get along. Like they, they just don't match. They're completely yeah. opposite. So DW is a bit dismayed when they find out that they are going to go visit the other family in their like cabin, their like lakeside cabin. 
And DW and WD both have corresponding nightmares here. So DW's nightmare is that when they get to the cabin, WD is going to strap her to a an out-of-control <laughs> race car that will surely threaten her life. Similarly, WD has a dream that she will that she will be forced to ride a unicorn that the Reed family are going to bring with them, which is like I don't actually think that's a bad thing compared to DW's, but whatever. And in WD's dream, they actually end up meeting each other in the same dream. Like DW enters WD's dream like in the race car and like, what are you doing here? This is my nightmare. And so although opposites they may be, they may be to use it to use a phrase from a Guillermo del Toro movie, drift compatible. Mm-mm. And drifting off uh, this cliff, by the way, because this dream ends with both of them, Thelma and Louise style, uh, meeting their demise, both the unicorn <laughs> and the, so, so I, I wanted, this is, I was re- referencing this earlier when we we're talking about classic Arthur dream horror. Um, you're totally right that DW's is way more objectively scary. Like, sure, WD doesn't like unicorns or mm-hmm. whatever, and maybe it would be scary to go on a, a unicorn ride if the unicorn's a little bit out of control. Sure. But DW seems to be riding in IndyCar on, like, a rickety wooden roller coaster yeah. track, <laughs> which is, like, way scarier. <laughs> like, that thing's probably going, like, over 200 kilometers an hour, and she's a four-year-old child <laughs> who, who can't control it. That This is, like, much more frightening, I think. Um, though, I guess they're both equally scary when they both jo- go off off a cliff. Yes, absolutely. So they are both very freaked out about having to spend time with each other. We also find out that WD has her own imaginary friend. Uh, her name is Maxine. She's an elephant who has a race car outfit. The race car outfit kind of makes her look like Buzz Lightyear a little bit, like same color scheme. And uh, WD also has a race car bed. So I sleep in a racing car. Do you sleep in a racing car? <laughs> I sleep in a big bed with Nadine. Oh. Anyway, race car beds. Also cool. I mean, sort of. If if you're a kid, if you're a man with a race car bed, I don't know about that. So (laughs) DW proposes to WD. Again, they're not, they don't dislike each other. They just have nothing to say to each other. So (laughs) while they're going on a nature walk at the cabin, DW, in this very diplomatic tone that I liked, is like, WD, it's nothing personal, but a whole weekend together just isn't going to work. To which WD is like, this WD is just like, yes, I agree. I I don't think this is good for either one of us. It's it's the classic DW delivery where she is um, uncharacteristically for her age, well spoken and kind of eloquent. Uh, I'm saying it's nothing personal, but it's just not going to work. Is it, it? It comes off very funny. It's a good delivery. It's the same language as like a Teams call today. So the two <laughs> of them decide that they're going to stage disagreements with one another in order to get DW's family to leave. And again, they go about this very cordially. Like we see them, pl- we see them actually planning it, where like. Um, you know, they're going to get an argument about WD spilling the toys and blaming DW. And then, uh, WD is like, should I spill the toys now? And DW is like, no, wait, wait a second. Like, let us start arguing first and then you do it. And that will maximize the impact. And we also see this later, um, as they continue to pretend to fight, they go outside and they decide that like, they're going to make it look like WD spilled paint all over DW's, um, 
uh, picture that she's painting. Again, the collaborative nature of these arguments is very cute. Like, I actually, I liked this idea in that they are just trying to figure out. But of course, it ends up that as they collaborate on these different ways to send DW away, they actually have fun with each other. Um, also, something that bugged me, even though it probably shouldn't have, um, they do the whole thing where WD spills paint on DW's painting, and then they're doing this outside on, like, the the porch, and then WD's dad says, they just need some fresh air. They were already outside. How How yeah, is I the agree. air getting more fresh? I, 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 this, this bugged me as well, actually. This is, <laughs> this is our classic, like, us at our most annoying, I hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just a weird line, like, they, because they are outside on the porch. I guess it would have been weird to have them spill the paint in the house because it would make it an even bigger mess, but I don't know. But they go canoeing! They go canoeing, and the final one is for them to just get in another fight about who should sit where in the canoe, and then they upend it. And uh, then that's... CW screams, you're a terrible host! (laughs) (laughs) And WD counters with, you're a terrible guest. Uh, And... Everybody everybody goes in the water and gets soaked, and this is enough to convince mom and dad to bring DW back home. But as they drive away, DW realizes that, like, actually, I had a lot of fun with WD, even though we're completely different. So DW fabricates. She says that, like, I left my beloved troll doll behind, so we're going to have to go back and get it. Then we might as well stay for lunch. And then at that point, we might as well stay stay overnight. And I was just trying to convince them to stay a bit longer because she actually did enjoy WD's company. And that's the end of the episode. I know it sounds like maybe it wasn't, like we were ramping up to something, but that's that's really it. I didn't have a lot to say about this one. No, they, in the end, they learn a very valuable lesson. I kind of love the moral of this one because the moral is you guys can, you can have nothing else in common, but as long as you're like haters in the same way, you can still get along, <laughs> which sometimes is is true, right? The enemy of my enemy is sometimes my friend. Uh, and I, I've definitely known people in my life where um, we were pretty much opposites in terms of interests and personality, but because we... Uh, we're joined in this cause of not liking the same person or right. or disliking the same thing. We were able to bond over our mutual hatred. So being a mutual hate, uh, DW is learning the lesson of being a mutual hater. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important lesson to learn. It can even help you in your relationships. If you and somebody that you're in a relationship with uh, hate the same types of things, that can be just as powerful as liking the same things. So never count it out. All right, let's take a look back here. Muffy's Classy Classics Club. Uh, Lucas, how about this Muffy episode? I, I I thought this was interesting. There's not a lot of plot to it. Like, there's not a lot of rising action. But I, I, I thought the premise is interesting. I like I like it when the Arthur writers get to come up with a bunch of fake books. You can always tell they have fun with it. There's a throwaway line earlier in the episode where um, Muffy pulls out a random copy of Squeezing the Lemon, an insider's guide to selling right. new cars. Very, very Freakonomics, um, that one. Uh, anytime we see like a dust jacket of a book, you can mm-hmm. just tell the writers are having fun. Um, and no, this was not the big Bailey character introduction we might have been hoping it was. But I don't know. I I I I 
surprisingly, despite there nothing being particularly standout about this episode, I really enjoyed my time with this episode. And I, I loved that scene where they all confront Muffy about her not reading the book. For some reason, um, that <laughs> reminded me of like a Wilt Stillman or like Noah Baumbach movie or something. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. It's it's a little bit too bad that Muffy has to be the antagonist again, but that's just going to be how it is. Uh, I've been thinking about book clubs a lot recently, so I found it interesting that we happen to come here now. And the idea of it, like I said, I related to Muffy's position more than I thought I would. And you're right, it, it, the, like the little pieces here and there uh, in terms of the content in the episode and what the writers enjoy. And I do like thinking about this in the sense of like, this is just this writer's way to be like, yo, little house in the prairie books sucked let's say here's why uh so i thought that was funny but yeah like i thought it was i thought it was all right like i I don't have anything against it it's also not my favorite but uh it's it was an interesting idea and at least muffy kind of got to save face in the end that's that's what i was was happy about as well i really don't have much to say about best enemies like i thought it was okay like just a little undercooked to be honest with you especially because so i looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, we're probably going to see WD again. Nope. This is the only <gasps> time in Arthur that we see WD. And it's Whoa. just like, that feels like a missed opportunity. Like, granted, we're going to be changing a lot in a couple of episodes when we move into a new season, a new format, and basically a new era of Arthur. But, like, I feel like this was left on the table a little bit in terms of I would like to see more of the two of them interacting as, like, opposites who are also really close friends so it i think it's a little bit of a shame that wd only goes so far as this especially because in the episode we only really get you know 11 minutes to see like the bare essentials of wd which is very surface level of just like she's she's a tomboy who likes the things that dw doesn't like the more quote-unquote stereotypically boy things but it's just it doesn't really go much beyond that. I like the idea of the two of them working in collaboration to, like, not have to spend time with each other. I think that's actually on its face and in action pretty funny. But it also doesn't really account uh, amount to much. It's one of those classic, like, rushed Arthur endings where it felt like there was a couple more minutes that needed to be in here. But then it just kind of wraps up and I'm like, okay, we're done with not only this, but WD. So it feels like it double didn't matter. So, I don't know. i not crazy about this one, more so for the whole than the, than the parts of it, if that makes sense. I, I, I definitely liked this one a little bit more than you did, uh, though I understand what you mean, especially now with the context that WD will never show up again. I, I was joking earlier when I'm like, okay, it's just a bizarro DW episode, but it especially feels like that now, where it's like, they're like, uh, I don't know, uh, DW but opposite, uh, <laughs> and the name's even the inverse. Um, so if you want to see that concept uh, done a lot better, maybe look up Season 2, Episode 7 of C-Lab 2021, the bizarro episode, the best episode. <laughs> of C-Lab 2021. Um, but I will actually have to disagree when it comes to the ending this time around because you could already tell, at least from my perspective, you could already tell when they are scheming with uh, their kind of paint um, that I-, I could see where it was going. I was like, oh, okay. The only time uh, that they're getting along is when they are collabing in their haterdom. Mm-hmm. And then that actually being the kind of final resolution to the story of, you know what, DW does like WD when they get along, you know, 
pranking their parents essentially um i i, I just i really enjoyed because you're right that moral funny enough as, as as much as it's a weird moral for a kid show that moral does ring true all the way into adulthood so uh i think that despite its shortcomings it's not a perfect episode by any stretch of the imagination and it is a little bit lazy in terms of its conception uh i i really like the note that it ends on um and that kind of won me over well that's gonna do it for elwood city limits prime for 2022 um wow yeah hard to believe so the we're going to have more stuff here on the feed. And once again, thank you for listening, not only to this episode, but also for this year. Thanks a lot to all the new listeners we've gained this year. Thanks to all of our classic listeners for listening along with us. Really appreciate you being here and being part of our little community. Um, so, yeah, we are going to have more stuff coming up on both the free feed and for Patreon in the next couple of weeks, especially for the free feed. We're going to be putting some. Uh, previously Patreon-exclusive stuff out in the last two Fridays of the year. I won't say what that is yet, but I think you will like them. Uh, and then we will be getting back to Elwood City Limits in January. Now, the schedule itself is going to be changing, but again, I'm not going to get ahead of the announcement next week. I'm going to be putting that out along with a special preview of a new Patreon-exclusive show that we are going to be doing and that we will be bringing for our patrons next week and we are both really excited to dig into that and you're going to find more about that if you're on the free feed you'll find out more about it next friday if you're a patron you either already know about it or you should listen to the uh schedule change podcast that i put out of uh, about a month ago and then you will be hearing the new content next week and we may even get up to more than that lucas before the year is yes. through uh, I, I'm hoping we are going to return to, I'm looking up actually what's the URL for the Twitch right now, but because I've been, I've been so busy, uh, Elwood City Limits Pod, uh, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod, subscribe if you already haven't, mm -hmm. um, we are i have a lot of time off starting with the 20th so uh either the week before christmas or the week after christmas whatever uh me and will can schedule some time uh you'll hear it first on the socials the twitter for instance is the best place to get notified of this uh we're probably going to be going live again if it's before Yay. christmas we might be doing some christmas stuff if it's after christmas we might be checking out some of those uh arthur games that are on steam I, I i haven't fully decided what we're going to do we're going to do more ranking maybe i don't know i have lots of ideas for the twitch stream um they're really fun to do we just need to find the time so we're gonna have the time soon so yeah keep an eye on elwood city limits pod twitch.tv slash elwood city limits pod it's gonna be a lot of fun and of course we'll be blasting that out well before it happens so stay tuned to all of our social media channels when we return in january for the next ecl episode we'll be talking about buster's garden of grief and through the looking glasses next year we'll be ending this season and we'll be starting the Flash year. So stick around with us for 2023. We've got so much more to come on both the Patreon and the free feed. And since you won't be hearing from the both of us before then, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. And thanks once again for listening to us, supporting us, and enjoying Arthur with us. My name is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Closed. I closed my notes. I closed my notes. So I'll just take this opportunity to say Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Um, and Will, 2023, 
It's a big year, Will. It's the Jordan year. It's the it's the LeBron year. So big stuff in the works. For Elbit City Limits, we'll see you next year.